Luther, school me to the game, now I know my duty. Stay humble, stay low, blow like hootie. True pimp, spin no dough on the booty. When you yell, there go mace, there go your cutie. For those that don't know, like, I feel like at some point you have to realize how much we love Fast and the Furious. You know, I was thinking about this after we had this mm-hmm. quick conversation, and you had said, dude, we should do one on action movies, and I was like, gosh, I don't know that I really like action movies that much. But I, I really love like, action movies. I really like Fast and the Furious. Like, I don't know what it is about that movie series, but I can watch that one over and over from number one through number eight, and like, I don't, I'm not, I mean, number four I'm a little mad at. Number not, four is the one that bothers you, really. Oh, gosh. There's just... Surprising to me. I, I find the plot is very bland. Um, it's just... That, that to me, was it was a real killer. And then five just phew, brought it back to life. I really thought four was going to kill it. I was a little scared. But once they introduced The Rock, and which is what this podcast that I told you about... Oh man, that, that podcast was it rewatchables? The rewatchables. Um, Bill Simmons. Yeah, uh, Bill Simmons. Yeah. About Fast Five. Like, oh, that <laughs> did, was good. Did it feel like you were listening to yourself talk to yourself? I felt like I genuinely felt like it was two Tareks. In a lot of ways, Tarek. I, I I appreciated the insight. You know, I got to be honest. There's not a lot of people who I can talk to who honestly appreciate the Fast and the Furious. That's not true. I shouldn't say that. There's some people I can talk to, but I mean, just just don't take it as seriously as those two guys did. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like if I was in that conversation, I would have just enjoyed it so much. And <laughs> most people are just like, yeah, it's a Fast and the Furious. I get it. You like dumb action movies. And that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, man. It's The way they broke it down was so good. I really appreciated everything that they brought to it. And anyways, for those that don't know, I, I listen to this podcast every week. It's called The Rewatchables. Uh, it's put out by The Ringer. Um, they have a ton of different podcasts, and they just kind of reach out to all different avenues of sports, pop culture, just a little bit of everything. And, you know, every once in a while I get lucky with, like, the one episode that's just so much better than everything else, and that was one of them, man. It's such a good movie. And the way they broke it down, it was, it was satisfying. But I started thinking about it, and I was like, man, The Fast and the Furious... That's actually a franchise where I will drop any plans I have to go to a premiere of a new Fast and Furious movie. Like if it's coming out films. on, like if it was coming out on your birthday, and you were like, "Man, it's a big birthday for me. I got a lot of people coming over." Be like, "Cool, bro. I'll see you the next day and tell you all about the latest Fast and the Furious movie that I went and just watched." Oh yeah, I believe it. And I apologize for those of you who heard me typing just there because I was just looking for the next Fast and Furious movie. And, you know, we've got a spin-off movie that's the next one kind of in the series. It's in the Hobbs universe. And Hobbs and Shaw. It looks really, really good. It's wild, though. I mean, we should almost take bets, though, on how many, uh, how many like characters do you think will cameo from the original movie? Obviously, Ben is going to be there. At least oh, a cameo. I don't think so. I don't think he you will. don't think even a cameo, dude. Him and The Rock do not get along. Is that right? They're not. No, I mean, there's a lot of money to be had. though. I mean, I'll be friends with someone for the kind of money they're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, when ego gets going, you know. And now the real question is, who's who's really the face of the franchise now, bro? I know oh, I man, get it. You can't it's, ask that it's question. Bold to yet. Say, it's bold to say. It's too soon. I'm Honestly, though, say, if this movie goes well, if this movie goes well, Luke Hobbs might, it's be the Rock, might right? 
You know, and these guys, they made a good point. And Fast Five has got to be one of my favorite movies because it's the heist film. It's different. Um, and boy, if you don't like Fast and the Furious, you're getting lost right now. But um, skip ahead a few minutes. And that's the first—that's the first film with The Rock, and he just came in like it was so good the Guns way he came in. The... No pun intended. Well, kind of pun intended, but but yeah. And I mean, he's just like a cheesy character, but for some reason, it worked when it's The Rock. They even said this in the rewatchables. They were like, <laughs> he said when he was asking for the bad news. On a report, he said, give oh, yeah. me the damn veggies. And it's like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> give me the damn veggies. <laughs> Dude, such a good... like, he said that with a straight face, and it wasn't supposed to be funny. And it's like, what? What? Who talks like that? <laughs> it's a saying I'll take on later on in life with me, you know? I know, right? I know. Oh, man. Oh, dude. It's, wild. it's uh, yeah, it's, you know, number five is... Gosh, what's your top three? Have we ever talked about this? I feel like we probably have discussed this. I'll be honest. My top three has got to be five is up there. That's the one I I come back to. Give me your Um, definitive top three. I got to know. You know, I got to I got to say it's it's probably four, maybe four, five and six, to be honest. It could be four, five and six. What? I like that when they brought it back. There's a lot of hype. Four, a lot of people give four a hard time, but I like four. It Ugh. was it was good. I felt like four was still, it was still a racing movie. It was still a car movie. Five, it was a heist movie. Six was just wild, but it was fun. Dude, six brought <laughs> the tank. Six is, yeah. six six is was where wild. we started getting into like outrageous mode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Six had that, and then, of course, you had to take down the plane, and then, you know, you had the submarine, and... Oh, geez, there was so much going on after six kind of started to make it so outrageous. Oh, seven had that uh, tower to tower thing, too, right? Yeah, seven. I got to watch it again. I'll be honest. I didn't like seven. I thought seven. They had a lot of challenges with Paul Walker passing away. Rest in peace. That's true. Um, and I felt like the movie itself, for in terms of the quality of the movie, suffered. And I haven't watched it since theaters, though, to be fair, because of that. Wow. But Okay, here's, here's my breakdown, man. Number one okay. has to be number one. That started yeah. the whole thing. It's true. It's I mean, purest. it's just... They're so different now, though. It's so much point break with cars. That it's just... <laughs> yeah. it's a, To me, I mean, I really like point break, though. Um, yeah, I mean... Did you geez. watch the new one? It was terrible. You know what? The new one, I... It's not as good as your Ridge. But what I did like about Yo, the new Ridge. one... <laughs> the, the new we should one... do an episode on unnecessary abreaves. Abreaves. <laughs> <laughs> the new one, I I didn't find it that bad. It wasn't great. The, the really, wasn't great. But... Oh man, the fact that you said that means I don't even want to watch the original. Because <laughs> you know, you know, when it comes to action movies, I have an especially like I don't know what the bar is, but I'm not like an action movie connoisseur. I like a lot of stuff, but even Point Break was just garbage, dude. Here's the thing. Is Keanu Reeves in the action movie Hall of Fame? You think about uh, John Wick? Point Break. And really what's getting him into GOAT status is the John Wick series. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's not... And The Matrix is kind of an action movie, but it's in a different class all by he's, itself. He's no fair. Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he's not really GOAT status, but... 
he's got to be, I mean, he's got to be chatted about as being, he's a renaissance man, you know, like, just. <laughs> and I got to be honest, though, I'm, I'm excited for John Wick 3, and John Wick 2 is good, but it was nowhere near the level of John Wick 1. Oh, John Wick 1 is just, that's a piece of art, man, that's a. It is, it, it's a crazy film. I think I was and more it's... fired up about his resurgence as, like, a true movie star. Because, I mean, you got to think, he did The Matrix, and he did a bunch of crappy, like, chick flicks, and, like, yeah, this weird movie. Like, he just kind of was like, ugh, is Keanu Reeves really done? But yeah, now he's, like, he's John Wick. You know what it is, and, you know, if we did an action movie podcast, we could break these down even further. But what I think most action movies do, you need to have your action hero have a, a sort of righteous anger, like this righteous revenge motive that's, like, it just gets you fired up for him, and then you just want him to just absolutely decimate. Yeah, you want to see him destroy. succeed and now, kill a ton of people. At absolutely. Time. And when I say that, if you've seen John Wick, you absolutely know what I'm talking about. The first Taken movie, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, like, yeah, like, oh, you took his daughter. Point. Yeah, and it's like that's the way to do it. You know, you've got to really get people invested in like, yep, time to time to go tear shit up because you deserve it. When, <laughs> you know what I mean? When has an action movie sequel been better than the Ridge? Uh, I think Rush Hour 2 is better. Ooh. I gotta be honest. I think that might be an That's unpopular a... opinion. I think Shanghai Nights is better. I'm going to my, my buddy cop movie. Beg your pardon? I do think Shanghai Nights is better. I really what? like Shanghai Nights. I mean, Shanghai Nights is good. Gosh, Shanghai Noon was just something else, though. I think it was maybe just such a neat original take on a Western that I just it I was. loved it so much that it's hard for me to... I might be a little jaded. I might just be thinking... Ugh. Man, I haven't watched the original Die Hard in a while, but I really like the one with Justin Long a lot. It was next level. Like it's almost hard. It's it's again right. similar. Like how do you even compare those two? Because there's like a moment where you know I think Bruce Willis is being sort of tracked by like an F thirty five floating or F twenty two floating through the city. I didn't know they could right. hover, and then he falls on top of it. It's like <laughs> you don't just fall on top of fighter jets, man. <laughs> <laughs> dude can i can i uh have a moment in the trust tree here for a second i need to i need to trust tree. okay well right. i just need this like this this area where i can speak freely and not be judged i guess okay dude i only watched the original Die Hard for the first time this last december oh wow well that's not bad i haven't seen it in years dude, i'll be honest I, I can barely remember it this this girl i was living with was like, you've never seen Die Hard? And she was freaking out. She's convinced it's a Christmas movie. That's what everybody says. I don't know that I buy the hype. I think that people like to say it simply because it's an action flick and it's totally, like, anti-Christmas. No, it came out at Christmas time. Well, I understand. And it's also, like, based... No, it came out in the summer. It's just based on December 25th is when the movie takes place. Oh. That's why people call it a Christmas movie. But I'm pretty sure it was a summer blockbuster. It came out in July word that makes more sense to be honest but i think people just get all hyped up because it's just anti everything else that's a christmas movie and i just think gosh i mean people try to make it out to be way more than it is i mean it was good but i got my i got my issues with it like the guy he like hangs up with a chain clearly is strang like strangled for a good half hour and yet comes back at the end to try and almost kill him I don't know. And That's how it goes. Like, it's got the father from Family Matters. Yeah, Carl Winslow <laughs> as a cop. Yeah, man. 
Just the way we like him, just the way we know him at the time, especially. It's like, hey, is that Carl Winslow? Yeah, that's exactly it. Dude, that guy would have been just, just the height of his powers. He would have been just, gosh. I know, just coming off Urkel. And, and then, yeah, he, he just, And he was a cop know, in like, that show, too. Yeah, he was. And that's the thing that's tough, because it's like, it's so hard, I feel like. Because I don't think anyone from that show really broke out of that mold. Right. And then his first role or his big role was another cop, and he never broke out of that role. <laughs> I've like, never was... seen him in anything since. Like, well, if he was always a cop, I'd be like, that's that's nice. Dude, talk about, <laughs> a, talk about an iconic role, a guy like Steve Urkel. I never saw yeah. a guy in another stinking show or movie. Sometimes I think that happens in TV, though. You yeah, become, it's tough to break out. You Especially when you're so good at your role, and then all of yeah. a sudden people fall in love with it, and I think it's really hard to... Uh, to really break out of it in some way to to have a career kind of post that show. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, to be fair, it's kind of like, I don't know, if you could be in like a show like Family Matters, in terms of getting paid, I'm thinking he's yeah. still making some good money. Probably right? making some decent residual checks. Yeah. Actually yeah. though, have you ever seen it on a streaming site though? I don't even know where I'd find Family Matters. Because I won't yeah, lie, I would probably watch Family Matters again if I knew where to find it. Like, if it was on Amazon or Netflix, I'd watch it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah like that's a good point, actually. TV. Yeah. You know, that stuff you grow up with, sometimes it's good. Anyways, hey, let's switch gears for a sec. Okay. Oh, yeah, I never told you numbers two and three. It's Fast Five and Tokyo Drift. I like Tokyo Drift. I like Tokyo Big Drift, too. I Tokyo think it Drift. gets a bad rap. People don't like it, but I liked it. Dude, I was a big fan of the Tokyo Drift. I think it's a lot better than Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, see, and I am not a fan of Too Fast, Too Furious, and yet friends of mine love it. And I'm like, yeah, I got a buddy who loves it too, and I'm like, that's that film. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's fun. And I thought that was it for Fast and Furious. That movie was, I was like, (laughs) it was not good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, we went went two movies in a row without Vin Diesel. Yeah, that's wild. And I think the third one is the reason why it was brought back. Because the third one was good. Like, people hated on it, but it was a good film. And I really feel like, and maybe it was because in my life at that time, like, import tuner cars were big to me. So it really spoke to me where I was. (laughs) Here's the other part. You think about it. Did you know anyone who was drifting their car before Tokyo Drift? I did not. Yeah. I really feel like it spawned an entire activity for young people, especially in Canada in the snow. Everyone goes and drifts in a big snowy parking lot and stuff. Yeah, that's true. We that all, might be true. I'm convinced that that movie created the not the entire concept of drifting or anything like that, but at least in Canada, wintertime, I credit that for everyone drifting around parking lots. <laughs> it could be and, and that's i mean i don't think anyone would have called it drifting before that time either i don't know exactly. what you would have called it but it definitely it definitely changed things for the way the world is it's too bad i felt like the guy the main character in that could have been part of the fast the fast oh, Furious franchise they got they got han and that was cool yeah um, i was sad when they killed him off in the last movie what's the last one which one did they kill him off in he got killed off in number was it number six? Oh, no, he got, oh, yeah, he he got killed in off in movie. Tokyo Drift. Yeah, what am I and talking about? And so he died off at the end of six, technically, right? Because they went, they went back yeah. in time. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Technically, Anyways. the end of six is when Tokyo Drift takes place. Yeah, exactly. It uh, happens. He goes to Tokyo after. 
after the sixth movie and then his uh luke shaw or whatever i might have to try and watch those in chronological order sometime yeah that would be the way to do it you know i mean i don't know at any rate um i really enjoyed we can wrap this up i really enjoyed on the rewatchables when they described the fast and furious franchise like like the james bond franchise like it's something they'll just keep doing they'll keep making them and i was like that that makes me happy i like the idea of that you wait that sounds cool after the next one it's gonna get tired a little bit and i guarantee all they do is they fast forward life by like 15 20 years and all of a sudden it's dom's son and brian's son and then it's just gonna be them doing the same thing and then you'll see like an old grizzled rock come out of a like a dark hallway or something like that and he's gonna go on these like adventures with them and that's just what it'll be yeah, you know, and that's the thing. That that maybe is the biggest argument for how The Rock is such a linchpin to the series is that I could I can see I'm sure they're planning it, studio execs, like how do we transition this from well, obviously Brian's passed away, but from Dom to the kids. And there's a plan to do that, but I don't see how you could transition from a character like The Rock to anything else. Do you know what I mean? There's just no way. You can't so transition like, anything in like Hollywood sports, nothing. The Rock is like just this. He he just is something else, man. That guy is just a movie making machine. Everything he does is exciting. He's got the new Jumanji. They called it. I saw someone go hashtag Tumanji. Uh, yeah, he's, he's doing good stuff, dude. Him and yes. Kevin Hart. I mean, we're going off track now, but him and Kevin Hart. Anything they do together, I will always pay money to watch it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm with you. Um, I don't know if they're doing anything else together soon, but... I mean, gosh, dude, the second Jumanji. They doing another? It would be the third one. No, no, no. Number two. Well, oh, yeah, technically, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Number three, it's in the works. They're already on set. I saw... <laughs> I follow Kevin The Rock on uh, on the Instagram, so I see... Ooh, there you see go. some photos every once in a while, you know? But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Dude, let's shift gears, because I got something to... All right, what do you got? I got something to ask you about. In the world of professionalism, okay. do the clothes make the man or do the skills make the man? Well, that's a good point. Um, or it's not a good point, good question. Uh, you know, I'll I, be honest. The clothes are, you know, you go ahead. You sound like you have some. I, uh, I, I can I let this percolate. I'm annoyed at work today only because I hate wearing dress clothes. Okay. And I really feel it has zero impact on my ability to account for people's money. Well, then why do you hate it? I just don't feel comfortable in them. Not that the clothes are uncomfortable. I personally don't feel like I fit in these clothes. Like my personality, who I am. I just don't feel like mm-hmm. they translate to being a guy who wears these kind of clothes. And uh, I just feel like I do. would be more comfortable as a human being. I know this is going to sound super millennial. In, it already does. In like <laughs> a pair of jeans and, you know, whether it be a sweater, whatever it might be. And I just feel like people are so set on this idea that your accountant has to be in a suit and tie. And yet somehow that translates to them being good at their job. And I'm like, no, that, that literally has nothing to do with how good they do with their work. Like, that has got to be the stupidest concept I have ever heard. It's the same with, you know, a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whatever, a professional of any sort. 
Yeah. If I walked in to come and get a loan from you, and you were wearing a nice pair of jeans, I'm not saying they're full of holes, and you're wearing even you know that sweater you have on there, you're you're well kept, you look nice, and you know you're like, hi, I'm Tarek. I would be a 100% comfortable and feel good doing business with you. I wouldn't think less of you. I wouldn't think, oh, this guy can't manage my money clearly because of the way he's dressed. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, but you are clearly stating there is some sort of minimum standard that should be in place. Yeah, I'm not saying You just disagree with where the minimum is. Yeah, you just disagree on where that minimum is, you think. Absolutely. I mean, even if you do dress like a slob, it doesn't mean that you can't perform well at your job. Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Like, you would say there is some sort of minimum level of dress that's appropriate. It would be like the casual Friday, though, where it's like, yeah, you can wear jeans, but you got to look profesh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, maybe we are a little too formal. Um, But like I said, I really think um, it's just about where that line is for you. And and I'll be honest, I think it, it depends on what market you're in. Right. I don't know Williams Lake, but I honestly feel like, you know, if you showed up in a nice pair of jeans and whatever, you'd probably be fine. Nobody would care. That's what it's like in medicine hat. I don't wear a tie most days. Don't get me wrong. It's still like it it has a certain level of professionalism that I think is kind of important. But here's here's an example. I'll tell you, I had um, had lunch the other day with a couple with uh, some lawyers from this firm in town. And lawyers always are dressed to the nines, you know, like really nice suit, really nice tie. And honestly, it kind of puts a little bit of a wall up. And, you know, you're a little bit like, oh, shoot, these guys are dressed very well, you know. But the thing is, I take them very seriously. I take them. I think they're experts and they were. And then the fact that they were cool, it was almost like it was kind of nice. Do you know what I mean? It's like, holy smokes, these guys look like the real deal. Oh, but then they're super down to earth and normal. And that almost was a better interaction because I started like, I don't know. Do you, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you set sort of yeah. like the, okay, wow, I already expect this level of expertise because I see how they're dressed. And then when they actually end up not being like douchey, <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of a benefit. I would say, I mean, the tough thing is we're both at the bottom end of our careers and you kind of just do what you have to do. <laughs> but when exactly you get to, it. when you when you run the firm, then it's like, yeah, show up and show up and whatever. You know what I mean? Because you don't have anything to prove anymore. That's 100% true, man. I just, mm-hmm. ugh, anyways, that, that's Matt's rant for the day. I just got rattled about it and I was like, man, I should get Tarek's perspective. I guess you are. Matt's right. rant. Maybe that should be our that's new right. uh, Matt's segment, rant. Matt's rant. You know, I don't know you that got... I have enough stuff to rant about, but oh man, I'm sure I can come <laughs> up, <laughs> I'm sure we can come up with stuff to rant about. Yeah, that's good. Tarek's tantrums and Max Rand. <laughs> Tarek's tantrums. <laughs> Dude, I want to hear some Tarek tantrums sometime. Oh, man, I wish I had a Tarek's tantrum. Uh, I'm sure there's something that'll piss me off. <laughs> Brittany's heard a bunch of them, and she's just and she's so good about being like, oh, yeah, that sucks. And it's like, he doesn't care. This is not that big a deal. I don't know why you care. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. That's good. Okay, now let me ask you this. Now, yeah. Tarek here decided not to upload our latest podcast because he was too busy at the Calgary Flames game. And then... Good game. Yeah, it looked like a good game. You know what? Here's the weirdest part. Clearly, that was the most popular game to go to because I had a solid five or six friends, all from different social circles, I might add, all Hmm. at that exact game. 
Oh, wow. As I, and we just went last minute. It was just like, well, we should go to Calgary. Well, who do we want to hang out with? Oh, they're at the Flames game? Well, let's go to the Flames game. <laughs> <laughs> I was combing through my Instagram feed, and I kept seeing stuff about the Flames game that night. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Who is like, is everyone at this frigging game? Like, what the heck? Yeah, it was good. It was pretty empty there, actually, to be honest. But <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, we bought seats up in, like, the like really, really crappy seats and then up in the press level. Down. And then we had buddies there, and the seats beside them were open, so we went and sat with them. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so it worked out. Okay, now let me ask you this. Let's let's get the business perspective going in here, because I was thinking about this after I saw the ridiculous photo from the escape room. Oh, yeah, we got out. Dude, how smart is the escape room model of business. This has to be one of the best business models I've ever seen. It's pretty good. You literally have people paying you to be locked in a room (laughs) and then figure their way out. Yeah, I I always say that to somebody, you know, actually the group, the, the guys we were with, I was saying, you know, it's pretty good in terms of, you know, once you get your room set up, there's some, you know, upfront costs. Um, but then it's like, you know, you have one or two people who just sort of man it and make sure things are going good and then resetting the rooms and you're just collecting at least a hundred bucks an hour, depending on how many people come into the room. So for us it was four, so it's about a hundred bucks an hour. The room, but there are groups there that were six, there are groups there that were seven. And so that's what, 150 to 200 bucks an hour just to, you know, man the room and help them through. And it's kind of like, yeah. I like it. <laughs> the big, I mean, when you really break down the cost, the bigger the group, the better. Because exactly, because you get more for the same room. That's exactly it, yeah. It's the exact same amount of space, but you're just getting more people crammed into it who are all paying more money for it. I mean, yep. it's a, yeah, it's just a, it's a smart move. And you guarantee they're out of there in an hour. Like, there's no, like, the, the time yeah, limit. And you keep moving Once an hour's up, you shuffle them out, you get the new ones in. I think the, the, the challenge is, I mean, and you do, do you learn about Michael Porter's Five Forces in oh, of course. university? Yeah, and I mean, you guys can look it up. It's whatever. But basically, the issue is that there's no um, barriers to entry. So there's probably like, you know, 20 of them in Calgary. Yeah, that <laughs> you know is the I thing. Mean? If you have the there's, space to do the, so. The hurdle, gonna... Yeah, the hurdle to get into it's pretty low. I think you can go and buy it. Not a franchise, but like a kit. Like you can go online right. and say, hey, I want to start my escape room. And then someone will give you a kit to get started. You don't have to be so creative that you come up with the, the room. You could. Um, and then you just rent some space and you come up with a room. And so, you know, the fact that it probably costs like maybe 50 grand to get set up with two or three rooms, um, it makes it tough because it's like, there's so many in Calgary, there's going to be some consolidation, I think, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty slick, Such you know, smart so, and it's fun because it's something else to do, right? Like that's the thing people are looking for, you know, it's like, oh, what's an activity we can do? Oh, let's go do an escape room, you know, and it's good. Absolutely. Well, and here's the thing. We're going again on Friday. We're going again tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. To another one? Yeah. Same group. We were pretty proud of ourselves, so we're going to keep pushing it. (laughs) Okay. Now, here's the other part is on top of it, you can get into some pretty interesting themes as well. For instance, in Kamloops, I was just down there last fall, and there's an old, um, not abandoned, but it's a retired, I guess, uh, mental hospital. Ooh. And every Halloween they turn that into oh okay sorry every Halloween they turn it they have like these tunnels down below where staff would make it from like one building to the next sort of thing, mm-hmm. and they've turned these tunnels and these like rooms that are underground into escape rooms and you have to like I believe 
I, I don't know all the how it all works, but I know that you basically there are actors who are paid, I believe, to come and like scare the crap out of you after you get out of your like original room because I believe you have to make it through in a sense like multiple chambers. Right, right. But just the fact that you can do stuff like that, and of course it gains huge money. Like, I believe you can have up to a party of eight, and it costs like uh, 300 bucks or something like that. And you have to book well in advance because they only have it for like two weeks, and it's only in the evening because it has to be dark out. And, you know, just, it's great. That is great. Yeah. That's cool. So, I mean, you can have some fun with it. You can get a little get a little inventive with it and whatnot. Now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. In the escape room, what role do you take on? Are you the type A alpha who's just, like, telling everyone what to do and where to that's... look? Or are you the guy who lays back? Because I feel like that's that's who I would be. Yeah, you know, I'm not the alpha, that's for sure. I don't know. Like, I found it's best when you don't have too much um, specific like this is the guy in charge, we look to them or him or her to, to delegate or to sort it out. Where it's just like everybody's good with working together and then, I don't know, like for example with this room, um, you know, we would say, okay, there's no reason for four people to do one task. So if two people are working on something, you move on to something else because you can do things concurrently, right? For example, we got into this one area and then it's like pretty clear that it's Morse code. They give you the little diagram, so you know like one beep, two beeps means a you know they show you and then you can hear the beeping and then it was like four of us saw it and then it was like okay well this is gonna take a second to listen and you have to listen to it a couple times right and it's like okay Tarek and Brittany you guys just do that we're gonna go on to the next thing um and it was like the best way to do it because it took us a little while right because you got to listen a couple times to get the word through and then you know just stuff like that where it's just organic where people are just you know you say I don't know you know what I mean like you just sort of let it work its way through that's what I think but I bet you there's a whole strategy. Like you could go online, I bet, and there's people who are like, this is how you handle an escape room. You start with these things, <laughs> and then you move on to these things. Yeah. I would have to be – I've never done one. Oh, it's fun, man. But I would have to be very selective as to who I go with. No. Because I just – I can't handle it. I got to be with Can't go like with a bunch of idiots? People. No, I got to go with fun – like, one, I don't really care if I make it out alive. Two <laughs> – You don't – Yeah. <laughs> well, I know people don't actually die in these things or anything, Terry. No, they the don't die. The door locks forever. <laughs> How much harder would you work, or do you think you would pan? Oh, my it? gosh. That would be so much harder. If it was... I mean, essentially, like, this is the plot of every Saw movie, I feel like, is, <laughs> is an escape that room. Is the plot of Saw. <laughs> Some it's... psychopath was like, okay, here's the idea. Dude. It's Saw, but lower stakes in real life. <laughs> I want to know if that's what it, uh, escape rooms kind of were born out of, is everyone going, oh... This is just the plot of Saw. Like, let's just do this. Yeah. And we'll put some silly clues and... Like, like, that's all this is, man. I honestly can't believe I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) That is just Saw. Except, yeah, it's not some dead guy in the middle of the floor who, like, wakes up at the end and you're... Ah, that was the wildest thing ever in the first Saw. It blew my mind. Oh, man. Talk about... What? That dude's alive? I was, like, getting chills. I remember. I remember it vividly. Whose basement I was in, name of the... Yeah, I know it all. <laughs> that movie was legit scary to me when it first came it's out. It's good. It's good. Oh, it was just so sadistic. It was wild. And then they got a little bit more gratuitous with their... Oh, yeah, it got a little absurd. Sense, but... 
Yeah, it was wild, but... Yeah, I know. The escape room, I just kind of thought, that's a really smart business venture in terms of very little in terms of maintenance, high turnover rates, and if you... it it motivates you to get good with your kind of puzzle-making skills because if you're good at it, it draws more people because really the biggest thing is word of mouth, right? It's it's based off of people who have done the experience and go, oh, man, that was so much fun. Hey, Tarek, I just went to this awesome escape room at this location. You should go and check it out with your friends. you know. And so it, it incentivizes you to be really creative in the way you set it up so that it draws more people in because like you just said there's no barriers to entry you yeah know, there's no proprietor proprietor or proprietary information yeah totally yeah, you know you're right and this. and and you know what 100 percent of the reason why we chose to go to the one we chose to go to was because of the trip advisor review so it's like yeah you live and die on that right that's exactly it man you and so I mean, I just think it's it's solid cash flows. Like, what what do you you know? What are your expenses? The rental of the space and and then like the two employees you need to man the place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the only thing while you're while you're operating, just some costs up front, and that's it. And then you know maybe every year or every six months, depending on your city, you update the rooms. Yeah, well, you that's know? exactly it. Yeah. yeah, and then you know just really try and encourage people to come in larger groups. So that you're making more money per room. Yep. Yeah. You have group minimums or room size minimums. I was just going to say that would be the real move, right? Is to set it up so you have like a room that's like you need six to eight people in order to complete it or something like that. Or yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. And and um, you know the place we were at, and I think a number of them, while each room can be done independently, they are part of a larger. Actually, I don't know if the one we were at was like that, but the one in Medicine Hat is they're part of a larger story. So if you can, you want to do them chronologically. Not that you have to, right? That's but, a huge seller, though. I would yeah, talk, like, see, that okay, would draw well, we me in immediately. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. See, that would get me cool. so fired up because then it's like you probably have clues in, like, room three that draw back from room one. And it's like, oh, yeah, you remember this? And it's, oh, man. No, I don't think you need oh, to. Like, they're like supposed that. to be like, you should be able to jump in any room. Oh, okay. But the story is still concurrent. So, I mean, I think the idea is nice in that if you go one weekend, you'll be like, well, I mean, we got to finish the story. We'll go the next weekend or the weekend after. And it just, that's the place you'll go the second or third time because you have to finish the story. You so know what I mean? So, you're just doing the entire Saw series, is basically what you got it. <laughs> got movies one through, like, what is there, seven? <laughs> yeah, something, something like outrageous that. like that. They just started getting crazy. <laughs> 400 people die. <laughs> yeah. All at the so, same time. Saw 24. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, I, I just kind of got thinking about that. Yeah, man. I think um, it's cool. I just like uh, more creative. Like, as, as we get older, it's like, you know, you and I, two two guys, just, you know, what do we, what do you go out and do? You go out to a brewery, you go out and you have some beers. But it's nice to have some activities to do. You know what I mean? And it's like, let's go to an escape room yeah. with some buddies. Let's go. Virtual reality. We've talked about that on here. I love Ooh. it. You know, let's go. You know, not everybody plays a sport or, you know, that's, you know, here in Canada, we need something you can do pretty much year round. And so it's like, okay, all this stuff's inside. And so people are just being creative with activities and it benefits us, the general public. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, and you're right. There are less and less activities for, I feel like for our age demographic, it becomes, 
I shouldn't say less and less. It's just like less that are just smack dab in your face. Like, you know, when you're a kid, there's always like the things, whether it's like sports or I don't know, some extracurricular that your parents have convinced you totally. of your idea. Um, but as you become an adult, it's just like, it's so much easier just to revert to, I'm just hanging out at home. I'm going to watch some TV or whatever. And it's, yeah. you know, think about this one. Here's another really interesting business venture that I found has become incredibly popular in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Those axe throwing ranges. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother wanted to do that uh, for his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. How outrageous. Yeah, that's is that wild. Just... Go and throw axes. Dude, you're just throwing an axe at a block of wood. Like, you, I, yeah. I mean, I think of it always from business perspective. How much money can I make doing this? Yeah. And it's like you're literally paying to sharpen axes. I mean, there's the capital cost of buying axes and having to replace yeah. wood wood chunks and whatnot, which would not be very difficult. Nope. Um, but you just have but... to sharpen these axes, make sure they stay sharp, and make sure mm. that people don't obviously kill each other because you're dealing with essentially live weapons. Yeah. And you just watch them whip these axes at a block of wood. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, it's here's the thing. In my opinion, cheaper than a batting cage, and you get the exact same sort of experience. Hey, that's something I hadn't thought about. Is it cheaper than a batting cage, though? Well, I guess for the time frame, I don't know. I know you could put like a, a, a toonie in a batting cage and bat for like ten minutes. Sorry, I meant from an ownership <laughs> perspective. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Cheaper to cheaper to run a, a mm-hmm. axe throwing situation. Way less equipment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think throwing balls at you, unless you get a real human doing that. Well, yes, that human's probably pretty expensive too. Even he'll get tired. <laughs> he'll need food. Yeah, unless he's a major league pitcher. <laughs> and even then, they get tired. They don't even do like. Yeah, he doesn't want to get hit by game. baseballs either. Oh, that's true. It'll be like the uh, home run derby. They'll have that weird fence in front. of them. <laughs> Also, when was the last time you ever went to a batting cage, man? I want to go to a. Oh, we got cage. one here at Medicine Hat, just east of town. Oh, it's uh, at the dugout. Did you ever go? Oh, once in the summer, I think I went, uh, my siblings went last summer. I was having all those back problems, so I didn't hit, but it's fun to watch. Like it's hard to hit. Like they have like low, medium, high, those high speed softballs, like the big balls. It's hard to hit. Dude, you have to have a really good hand eye coordination. Yeah. It's really hard to hit those consistently. Um, but it's fun. It's a good time. It's a lot of work. It's tiring, but it's fun. Yeah. Free. Mm -hmm. I wish we had that kind of stuff here in Williams Lake. We do not have those kind of activities here. To medicine hat man jeez let's do just, it just move to medicine kate you got it if i got you a job articling here at a firm in town would you do it god you can live in our basement i feel like your wife would not be on board with that she would be on board tell her i would do all the cooking well she might not be on board with that what do you mean how <laughs> dare her well i mean don't tell them. it's her it's her idea you talk like, to her about it it's but... her idea it's not her <laughs> idea this is very much your idea no way man that was what she told me if you invite matt to live here make sure he doesn't cook that's what she said Dude. <laughs> <laughs> the first part of that sentence would never come out of her mouth <laughs> oh man <laughs> but yeah find me a job you bet i'll move there may 1st yeah, I think they're always looking for articling students out here. Just kidding. You would have to – well, I would never probably move out there, let's be honest. Oh, well, here's the tough thing. I, I talked to some – you know, they need articling students for law firms and accounting firms. Mm-hmm. And the tough thing is people will try and get jobs at Medicine Hat, but unless they have a reason as, – as articling students, but unless they have a reason to stay, these firms put all this effort into these students yeah. and then they just – out. So they don't love, love 
have family here. We don't have some connection to Medicine Hat for that reason. It's a little bit, you know, if a good a good accountant or a good lawyer is good accountant or a good lawyer, but I get it. It's kind of like, well, we hire this kid, we train him for two, three years. He is nothing. He's not bound to us. It's been helpful, but it would be real nice if then he would stay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I hundred percent agree with that because I mean I deal with the same situation in my firm, right? Like, uh, you know, it's Williams Lake. It's not exactly the most desirable place on earth to live, and oh. You know, I think there's there's definitely those difficulties of trying to find young uh, accounting students who want to be there long term, and sometimes that can be difficult to find. And you know, yeah. I think a huge part of it though comes down to, and this isn't you know just speaking about my firm or anything like that, but any of these locations where it's harder to find staff in any industry really, I think the biggest thing you have to set a good culture. And you have to make people want to be there, regardless yeah. of the the location. If if you have a, a healthy culture where people are excited to come to work every day, then people are going to stay regardless of where you're, you're situated. Yeah, that's true. And and that's a huge part of it, in my opinion, is like, I, I never want to be part of a workplace that has a toxic culture where... There's problems, you know, with my coworkers or with, you know, my boss or anything like that. Like that, that doesn't do anyone any favors. And I think it shows itself real quick. Yeah, I agree. You know, I agree. And I mean, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people too, when they move, like it's being from Calgary, you know, I really identify as Calgary's hometown. It's hard to think of moving away from Calgary. I've moved away. I moved to Medicine Hat years ago now. You know, and now that I'm here in Medicine Hat, it's like, oh, this is this is pretty good. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's a good city. I make I make good money, and then it, it goes so much farther out here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like for for someone who, because there's a lot. I don't know. I I feel like I would like to move back to the city to pursue bigger. If I did, if we did move back, bigger and better things, like to to really push. And there's a lot of people who aren't interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, don't stay in the city if that's the case. If you're like, you know, I'm just gonna progress through my job because I really like it and put in my 20 30 years and then retire get out of the big city <laughs> well unless <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> unless you built some sort of equity and you can see that it's growing like for instance think about um not your younger brother but your older brother okay and i don't know if he's a homeowner in calgary but yeah just outside the city yeah so he's bought a house now i'm sure that house is appreciating yeah. And one day he's going to be able to sell that for a lot more than what he bought it for. That's true, compared to Medicine Hat. Exactly. And then, you know, because we're seeing this here in Williams Lake, because there's people from the coast who are, you know, have bought these houses for, say, 500 grand. Now they're worth a million dollars. They sell the house down on the coast. They make that $500,000 capital gain, but it's tax free because it's your principal residence. It's awesome. Then they come up here and they can buy a house for that 500 grand and be mortgage free for the rest of their life and they're like 40 and that's true and it's like well why wouldn't i do that you know that's true and they're out of the business so your brother for instance could then sell that house move to a place like medicine hat probably buy a house mortgage free or i don't know i don't know what the housing market is my my point is you can move to a smaller market and have that kind of happier second half of your life without a lot of the financial burdens that come with living in the city but now you've made all your um, relationships and connections in, Absolutely. in that city. You do have to be a go-getter when you move to a new community. Yeah. You and have so, to want to connect with new people. 
Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of six to one, half dozen the other, right? There's, you just have to sort of be aware of that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people who do that. And I think, you know, our parents' generation, the, the home prices in our parents' generation have appreciated more than in any other generation or something oh, like that. It's wild. Down. You know, like, I don't know if the home equity in our generation will appreciate. I know our home hasn't appreciated as significant as that could be in the last four years or whatever. Um, but I know, like, even like my brother, he bought his first house when the, him and his wife got married in, like, the early 2000s. And then, like, three years later, this was, like, boom time in Calgary, to be fair. Right. Like, three, four years later, it was just like, holy smokes, I just made a ton of money tax-free on this house. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so... Yeah. Well, and I, people do have to understand how economies work. Like a place like Calgary is so much different than, you know, other cities. Like for instance, like a Winnipeg or a Saskatoon because of the oil industry. Yeah. And how much all that northern oil money can drive up the prices in a market. And, you know, that hence why your brother can buy a house at a cheaper rate in three years later, especially during the oil boom, when all of a sudden it's worth twice as much and you can go, woo. You know, yep. make, make a couple hundred grand and walk away and that, from it and move and on to the free, next one. Yeah. A tax-free situation is nice. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, right now, Calgary's a ghost town. You can't sell a house in Calgary. It's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, listings are up, sales are down, prices are down. But, you know, you point out something that's really interesting, I think. You and I as millennials and any millennial listeners we have, um, and this is kind of changing gears a little bit, I think it's, it's a unique time in um, – I'm seeing this in my organization, and I don't know if you see it in yours where, and they talk about this, but I'm starting to see it, this transition of these older, more established employees starting to move on, starting to retire, and then all these positions just becoming available and all these, um, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's much more movement mm -hmm. in, in longer, older firms, maybe not even older, like, it's just a huge swath of people that are looking to retirement yeah. in the next five to 10 years and have looked at retirement. And so it's just like, it's insane. Like if you can be, if you work hard and you're competent, there's going to be huge opportunity for people in our age group, Absolutely. you know, to move up in a, in a big way that hasn't been the case. Maybe, you know, people have had to wait 10 years for someone to move out where we would have to wait way less. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I, I think a huge part of that too is understanding, um, kind of history in terms of like baby boomers and those are the people who are now retiring yeah and you know now that they are moving on you know we just also haven't populated at the same rate that those baby boomers were populated at like all those guys got off the boat from the war and were just getting busy with making anything. babies yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah and you know our generation just hasn't done that i mean you're 30 and you have zero kids you know, Zero. and and not that that's a bad thing, but it's just not common in comparison to what our parents were like, where you would have already had four kids by now and would have been growing out a cool dad mustache. <laughs> but, you know, you're not doing either of those things. So, no, and, and our parents, parents. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact, too, is, you know, it's not uncommon for people to not have kids till they're 35 to 40 now. Yeah, you know, it's definitely different. And it is, you know, some of it's career aspirations or some of it's just the financial situation you want to be in before you have kids. Yeah. And just different, different cultural, diff, you know, your generational differences, I guess. Absolutely. And so at any rate, it makes for an interesting situation. I know um, somebody was talking about it at work the other day and then you start thinking about who is the, what the succession looks like. And it's like, oh, boy. I mean, obviously, at the very top, it's like, well, those people are you know, like 
have they found people to replace them? Because they're looking pretty. Right. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's very interesting. Hundred um, percent. And I, I would encourage any millennials to be like, hey, you know, like, as much as I think we're a lot of a less patient gener- like generation, and I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll be proud to say, like, I'm not interested in waiting around as long as oh, maybe some people before me have. I'm with you, man. And that's just the way it is. But you don't have to be like in comparison. You don't have to wait as long, generally speaking, in most established firms, obviously, and maybe a younger company, you know, it's not going to be that way. But in in older, more established firms, that's the way it's going to be. And it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think even to my own, well, and I guess my point with the whole population thing, too, is with younger people um, not having kids, most of them are career driven at this point, you know, and yeah. that's why... Hence why they don't have kids most likely is because they're still trying to get their career to where they want it to be before settling down and having those those families, you know, uh, like, for instance, look at yourself, right? Like you are very much trying to establish yourself uh, to a place where you're going to be satisfied, you know, for the foreseeable future before you end up having kids, you know, I'm sure the yeah. same with your wife. Like that's, you know, you guys, you have your master's, your wife has her, I guess, bachelor's in nursing now. You know, it's, a, yeah, that's it's what equivalent. It's, it's basically what bachelor it is, right? nursing or bachelor of science and nursing or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's like you guys have been working hard at school to be now completely educated to the point you want to be. And now we're just building a career. Yeah. Exactly. Now you're trying to position yourself career wise to a point where, you know, she's gonna build up enough seniority in her hospital situation so that if she does decide to go on mad leave with with having kids She's going to come back and that job's still going to be there for her. And she will have built up a, a, you know, strong enough resume in terms of years served there and stuff like that, um, that, that she'll be good there. You know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, the foundation will be there, I guess. Yeah, no, totally. And, and the same with yourself is, you know, you're, I, I mean, I don't know what your career aspirations 100% are, or if you really want to share them, but I know that obviously like, um, stock brokering and stuff like that uh yeah that's my aspiration. could could be there you know and and uh and so it's you know you've got to figure out what that looks like before you're going to start you know creating and and i guess you know it's it's an interesting thing because as we take on that mentality you know i think of even my own office where you know i have managers who are probably in their early to mid fifties, you know, and so in the next, I would assume next 10 years, they're probably going to want to get out at some point and yep. some retirement. I mean, accounting, you know, they're both chartered accountants. So it's like, you can go part-time pretty easy. Yeah. They can go part-time. Heck they could be retired and I'm sure they've done well enough for themselves financially that, you know, they don't need to work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't speak exactly to their situations, but I'm sure that they, have not, you know, I, I mean, yeah. And needless to say, I have a, I have two partners in my firm who are very kind of enthusiastic and, and are young enough that it seems like, I don't know if I can say expand, but definitely like it seems like they always want to be doing more within our community in terms of accounting. Interesting. You know, and so it's, it's great working for people who like that, who are wanting to raise up uh, more accountants to take on more responsibility and, and in a sense grow, you know? Yeah. They're, As opposed to the old guard who may be like, well, we built this, let's just maintain or let's just keep doing what we're doing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They, they seem excited to, you know, see, see what kind of possibility can come from this. 
new changes. At least you that's know, a vibe I get. I don't know if that's 100% true. I don't want to speak on their behalf, but that oh, is for kind sure. of the I get vibe what you're I, saying. I feel from the way some of the actions that they take, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be really interesting. I'm sure this exists. Um, but like to just look at sort of, you know, ask certain questions to the millennials versus the baby boomers and see questions about like, okay, why did you have kids when you did? What made you want to do this? What made you want to do this? And see how different the answers are and just try to get it into the mind of where those differences came from. I like, I, I think for my parents, and this is not representative of the whole generation, they would just say, well, I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was just, we, we got married and we thought, well, let's have some kids. We didn't really think about, I don't think they really thought about, well, because this is what I think, like, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live while we have kids? What kind of activities do I want to be able to do? And I'm sure there was some consideration to that, don't get me wrong, but I think it was just what you did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, though. It would be so cool to, to find out sort of what that, um, how, how the different generations think about these things. See, in my opinion, I think a huge part that's changed everything for us is the internet. Mm. The fact that everything is so accessible to us. The fact that, you know, you don't have to have a, a normal job anymore. You and I can work from home if we want, or we can work for ourselves, and it's really easy to do so. We can subcontract our services to someone else because we have things like cloud technology to constantly be swapping you know, documents and whatever else in and out. If we need to video conference with people around the world, like imagine if I worked for you in some sort of business setup. We could do this to discuss stuff every couple of days. Absolutely. We live in this completely different way of life now. It would be free. What's that? Oh, we're getting choppy here. Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, my bad. I didn't say anything. I just said it It is different. Yeah, and and that's a thing. Yeah, man. It's a brave new world. Yeah. I love it. I'm interested to see what my nieces and nephews, the younger generation, is going to do. I'll be honest. My niece got my niece turned 13 on Sunday, and she got face 13. I know, 14. The other one turned 14, 14 at the beginning of the month. Wow. Wow, I can't wait. The 14-year-old's got her learner's permit already. I'm going to take her driving and stuff. It's crazy. Um, but my one niece, she got Instagram on Sunday and Facebook, and she's just been blowing up Instagram, and it's like, chill out. <laughs> but they're just so excited. And... She's so stoked. Like, I'm, like, sitting there at home eating breakfast at my parents' place, and I'm like, oh. Look who added me on Facebook. She's commenting on things and liking <laughs> things and then posted just like like the cheesiest picture. But she's in junior high. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, she's like a deer learning to run, man. She's just exactly. trying it out. Exactly. I love it. It's it's you know, she's still just the little the little girl to be, so it's just like, oh, look at her. <laughs> just going hard at her Instagram. <laughs> oh man, it's funny. But yeah, it's wild to think about what it how how crazy stuff is and how much it changes you know so yeah man all right buddy well i think we better think about getting out of here hey yeah i suppose so i suppose so i, li- I like how you said that as if we're in the same room together we, we should figure out getting yeah, out of here should, you know yeah, we're in the studio to... together yeah were you drinking anything tonight i wasn't man i wasn't i need some water my mouth is getting dried out water what were you Ugh. drinking mocha porter Ooh. Like Granville Island. That's close to you, buddy. Yeah, down in Vancouver. Down you know, in they, Vancouver. they make a lot of good beers. They're, yeah, they do. They're Granville kind of, Island. they're fuddling along this line, at least in BC, I find. 
I don't know if you find well, I mean, they're all the way out in Alberta, but I find them to be a little bit, they're, they're straddling the line of being commercial and craft still, I think. <laughs> you know, which is yeah. good. I, I appreciate that because you know what? They can still hold on that their craft beer, yet they're, they have enough commercial success that they're getting out into areas that most craft beer companies aren't. Exactly. You know, it's funny. The millennial in me, the trendy person in me is like, yeah, Granville Island used to be cool. Now they're everywhere. So <laughs> that's <laughs> but, honestly what I think. Like, I, I don't know how I ended up with this box of it. I can't remember. But I would never order it anymore because it's so big. <laughs> but, but they're not boring, Is that just though? so lame? No, they're not. And it's pretty good. To be fair, it's just in my head, if it's like, oh, it, if it's that big, it's not cool anymore. If they were mass producing <laughs> like three different strains of beer, then I would say, yeah, you know, maybe they're they've run their course but because they're constantly bringing out new stuff and new ideas yeah. i gotta respect the hustle you know for sure i mean and that's the thing there's nothing wrong with that beer but because it's big it it feels like it's less than in my mind and big <laughs> big rock brewery is the same way big brewery out of calgary also still trying to be a craft brewer but they're like they're too big now and i but they're, oh, they're uh, becoming too commercial yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know if anything's changed. Their recipe could be exactly the same, but because I know how big they are, I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll go on to something else. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm a millennial. What can I say? At least I, think, I own it. I think maybe I should go and buy some beers this weekend, and, and maybe I'll uh, I'll start drinking a beer beer with you on, on podcast nights. Good. Glad to hear I'm a bad influence on you. I remember you were just thinking, what were you down to, one a, one a month or something outrageous Dude, like that? You know, as of you know, last August, I stopped – completely oh wow i remember that yeah i remember that good for you for about four months or so then i got poorly influenced by a couple buddies i was in college with who were like yeah come drink beers and let's go i mean we went for wings and it was like well i mean man this is this is like a public service announcement you watch in high school about your first year in college (laughs) (laughs) i mean you go out for wings you gotta and then your friends say hey have a beer one time won't hurt you (laughs) You want to be cool, don't you? Now I'm drunk, okay? (laughs) Um, What I was going to say is, dude, this is the best thing ever. It was, this is a college mentality compared to, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to call myself a grown adult mentality, but even those guys gave me a hard time about being as old as I was. Um, Sure, student. But those guys were like trying to plot out in Kamloops a perfect week of going to a different spot for wing night every night of the week. Oh, they have wing nights at different nights every week? Yeah, man. So there was one place that was Mondays, another place that was Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. And then they were stuck for like three different nights. And I was like, That's guys. not bad. I was like, guys, just go to Costco for one of them. Count that as wing night because Costco has No, because Costco's cheap, yeah. yeah. But you can't get beer there. But you can get wings any night of the week there, right? So it's like... You can count it as technically a wing night, I maybe. Suppose. I don't know. Sneak in a water bottle with uh, booze in it. That's but that's alcoholic behavior, though. Isn't <laughs> I was just say, you're really flirting with this line of feeling the need to drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but anyways, man. Yeah, no. Maybe I'll uh, I'll have to go and dabble in some craft beers for next. Do week it. Too. Just don't get any Granville Island. Get something cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I like finding the ones with the really weird names. Yeah, Just, small enough to be cool. Dude, that's why my <laughs> white and lazy IPA was so great. That's a good one. I like it. All right, buddy. See if you can find some from Medicine Hat out there. See if we made it all the way out there. You'd have to text me some, some brewery names. 
Hell's Basement, Medicine Hat Brewing Company. That last one's easy to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Can you write that one down, sir? Might be M.H. Bruco, but still, Medicine Hat. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, cool, man. Slice, folks. Y'all have a wonderful weekend or week. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever you're listening to this, whether it's during the week or weekend, have a enjoy. Enjoy.